with you this morning. We're going to just talk for a second about worship. Why do we praise and worship? We worship and praise with song is one way. This is just one way that we worship. As you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts to God. And I looked up what gratitude means. And it means the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. So what has he done for us? Can we return that today? Are we grateful for what he has done, how he has saved us from death, how he has risen again and defeated the grave? Are we ready to praise him for that? Because I know that's enough for me. So let's stand up together and worship the God who is, the God who was, and the God who is yet to be. Amen.
No. 
this isn't about this isn't about membership into a particular church. This is what Christians do. This is another way of proclaiming I am in the body of Christ. I belong to him. He is my savior. Because of what this means. So before we partake this morning, I just want you to take a moment and examine your heart. Maybe you've been far from him. He simply calls you home today to be near to him once again. Maybe you've been struggling. Okay. But the table of the Lord invites you to experience him today. That in him you will be reminded of who he is and what this means for you. Amen. Maybe you need the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says if you simply ask, and he is faithful and he is just, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Go ask. But just for a moment, just examine your own hearts and then we'll partake together in just a moment. attentive to us when we draw near to you. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for your body that was crucified for us in our place. We thank you that you paid the wage of sin, that wage of death. The one who was sinless paid a price not deservingly, but willingly. So we ultimately can be set free from that wage of death. I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. We partake of the bread this morning in remembrance of you. Partake together. the atoning sacrifice that washes away all our sins. Jesus, when you said there is no way to the Father except by you, ultimately it came because of this. That your blood which cleanses our sins, washes as white as snow, that you are so faithful and you are just in dealing with us. But the first step comes in this act of mercy and grace. I thank you for your willingness to forgive me and to forgive each one of us. I thank you, Lord. When we partake of this cup in the remembrance of the shedding of your blood, let's partake together. 
Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Oh, Jesus. Thank him out of your heart this morning. Just thank him. Thank him for his grace and his mercy, his patience. Thank him for his, his love that, that reaches into the deepest part of who we are. Thank him. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I don't need that. Jesus.
Get up and praise the Lord. 
Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the
just go around and greet some of your family of faith. Good morning, everybody. It's good to have you. We're going to take up our tithe and offering this morning. So if you do have something to give, you can prep that. Uh, offering envelopes are available in the chairs in front of you. If not, uh, wave your hand around and one of the ushers will uh, get you one of those. But also, uh, they also carry prayer cards. So if you have a prayer need, We'd love to join in you with prayer about those things, so please uh, ask for one of those, and uh, you can give it to me or give it back to them afterwards, and they'll get it to me. And we are a family of faith who believes in the power of prayer. Amen? Making sure you all are with me and awake this morning. Amen? So uh, if you turn those prayer needs in, we will uh, be sure to intercede and pray over those. So let me pray over your tithe and offering, and uh, if you do have something, you can bring it down uh, to these basket, bucket kind of things we have down here. Lord, we thank you as we continue in our worship today, uh, honoring you with our giving. The, the tithe is holy to you, Lord. And, and we respect your faithfulness. Uh, the, the provision, the increase that comes into our life, Lord, all things like that originate with you somehow, some way. And, and we thank you, Lord, for being a God who provides. Even, even in how you just made creation, Lord, and put man in the midst of this wonderful creation you made. You made it in such a way that he would be provided for. And we thank you for that. And this is ongoing from the original tent of, of how you made things, Lord. And I thank you for that. Because we give today, again, it's honoring you, it's worshiping you. And we just thank you for who you are in all areas of our life. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, you can bring it. I do have some uh, things to make you aware of. 
Uh, Monday night prayers on our summer break. We'll be back in August. So if you come here tomorrow at 6, nobody will be here, but you still pray if you want to. So how about that? Um, also, don't forget Sycamore House fundraiser. This is going on through Father's Day, which I think is two weeks from today. So if you haven't grabbed uh, one of these baby bottles to fill it with change, or if you want to throw cash in there, you can do that too. Uh, go ahead and fill that up, bring it back, give it to us, and we'll get it to the Sycamore House. It's just a part of... Uh, there you go, Christine. All right. So uh, making sure she gets it in there. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to tackle Mike or what. So that would have been kind of funny. But anyways, uh, make sure you get this back uh, for the Sycamore House. They do a wonderful work here in our area, and that's a blessing to them. Uh, our vacation Bible school uh, for all kids preschool from fifth grade is June 25th to 27th. So uh, mark your calendars for that. It's a Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night, 6 to 8 p.m. each night. So uh, make sure your kids are here for that. It's going to be a great time. Also, our summer youth camp, uh, which is fifth through 12th grade, that's happening July 13th through 15th. There is a cost to that. If you want your student to go and, and money is an issue, let me know. We'll make sure uh, we figure out a way to make that happen. That happens at a, at a camp in St. Mary's. It also is, is with the other campuses and the youth at those churches. So that's always a wonderful time. So if you have questions about that, let me know. And also, just mark your calendars. We're a couple months out from this, but we have our annual summer church picnic on July the 30th, right after church. That's one big family Sunday, by the way, so uh, we'll make sure we close up a little bit that day then head out and have our picnic, so July the 30th. And the last of our uh, small groups that's happening before our summer break is Christine's small group, and that's tomorrow at 11 right here. And if they say, if you want to, bring something to eat. Sounds good to me. I might come then. All right, so anyways, if you have questions, see Christine about that. All right, if you've got your Bibles, get them out. Let me see who brought a Bible today. I always ask, who brings a Bible? I hope you bring a Bible to church. Your phone's okay. We do put it on the screens. That's fine, too. But I always love it when you bring your Bible to church. Acts chapter number 1. So if, if you pay attention to uh, the church calendar at all, uh, last week was what they call Pentecost Sunday. So I'm, I'm a week late on this, so I'm, I'm catching up on the, the time frame on this. I want to talk to you today about Pentecost. Um, of the church calendar, we have obviously, uh, we celebrate Easter every year, certainly uh, Christmas, uh, there, there is Ascension Sunday, there's Pentecost Sunday, and different things that, that highlights in the church calendar because these are the basics that we believe foundational uh, things of the Christian faith that we hold on to as just the guideposts for not only what we believed in them, what does it mean for our lives we live as a disciple of Jesus. Now, we've actually been in a series on what is discipleship. Uh, started this a couple weeks ago. Remember, to say, what does it mean that I am saved? The best answer is not, well, I get to go to heaven someday. That's an okay answer. It's on the, it's on the spectrum. That's not the best answer. Heaven, or if you want to talk about what is to come beyond that, by the way, a person dying and then their spirit being in heaven. That's not the end of the story. You understand there's a resurrection, there's a new heaven, new earth coming. Amen? Salvation, the thrust of salvation is reconciled relationship with God. So remember, the whole problem of all things is what? Sin. Sin separates man and God, right? Right? Why did Jesus come to take care of that sin problem 
in its finality. That's, that's the crucifixion. But then the resurrection marks the fact that then the end of the story is not just that I've been forgiven, but now there is a new life to live. Our eternity is a byproduct of the fact that I am now in reconciled relationship with God through the act of Jesus on the cross and the forgiveness of my sins. So the thrust of what it means to be a disciple is not to try to hang on so I get to go to heaven someday. The thrust of discipleship is to know him. Because what's the point of reconciled relationship if I don't get to know the one I've been reconciled to? Remember, Jesus teaches us to pray, and he, and he, and he, he stays within uh, he obviously stays within his Jewishness. He doesn't leave that. And I think sometimes in our mind we take him out of that context, but, but it's not. But he teaches us to pray. It's wrapped up in that. He says, our Father in heaven, Abba Father is what he teaches us to cry. What is that? That is personal relationship. God is intensely personal with us. That's the thrust of salvation. Yes, there's eternity involved. Yes, there's heaven and all this different stuff. That's a byproduct of the fact that I have been saved and now I'm in right relationship with God. Okay, that, that's discipleship. So the thrust of discipleship is learning to know him more. But then what comes with that is we discover that discipleship then turns into total life commitment. When Jesus teaches us, he, he was asked, what's, what's the greatest commands? And, and, and Jesus responds with a couple things. He sums up the entire law and the prophets, and he says, love the Lord your God with what? Everything. My heart, the seed of who I am, my soul, my being, my mind, the way I think, and my strength, my physical body. I am to love God with my entire being. And if we learn how to do that, we grow in that, then that will turn and teach us how to treat other people properly. I love my neighbor and myself. Right relationship with God teaches me right relations with other people. Okay? So discipleship involves the entirety of who you are, my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. In other words, there's not a part of you that if you call yourself a disciple that you can keep from him. You see? Discipleship is a total life commitment. So ongoing work of God in this world involves what we find as in Acts chapter 1 and 2. We're going to read this in a minute. It's what we call Pentecost. Pentecost, you can research this on your own, was actually a festival, a Jewish festival called the Festival of Weeks. It involved uh, the first fruits of the grain harvest and later also involved the signification of God giving the law uh, to Moses on Sinai. It involved some different things. But while the disciples on the day of Pentecost were doing something that Jesus told them to do, they were waiting, something very significant happened then. So let's read Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read from Acts chapter 1, then also Acts chapter 2, and we're going to talk about it for a few moments. So Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1, and of course we believe that Luke wrote the book of Acts, which is an accompaniment to his gospel, the, uh, the gospel of Luke. And he writes, in the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. That's the ascension. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, that's John the Baptist, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, here's the fulfillment of what he was just saying. When the day of Pentecost came, part of this festival, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of, each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these, are, are not all these speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya belong to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But of course, as always happens, but there were others mocking, saying they're filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. God showed up in a way that begins to mark those that received this infilling of the Holy Spirit as they were in obedience to Jesus to wait until they received something from God. Well, what, what's amazing about this is that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that our fleshly bodies, this flesh, my body, can be the habitation of the Spirit of God. That should make you pause and think. See, after the ascension of Jesus, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in all authority and power, Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit. See, the work of the Spirit, as he is sent, shows up in, in, in different ways, multiple ways. But one of which is what we just read that we find in Acts chapter 2, that there are those that were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then is sent in power. Now, what's wild about this, and, and I think if you simply are, are, are one who dives into the Scriptures, you will find from beginning to end, Old Testament through New Testament, that there are miraculous things that happen that if you really say you're a believer in God, you can't discount the things that you see in here. You can't remove the miraculous from a God who continues to work in his creation. You can't do it. And here we find this infilling of the Holy Spirit is marked by some physical signs. The wind blew in such a way they could hear the wind blowing within the place where they were. 
blow, wind, blow. Amen. And they began to see something. This is, this is pretty wild if you think about it. They began to see what seemed to be tongues of fire or fire coming to rest on each one as individual, sign of the infilling. Burn, fire, burn. Amen. And then when they leave this residence, they, so, so this happens, and whatever, whatever uh, they, they, I don't know, kind of found stirring within them, it drove them out of the room where they were. And when they came out, they're speaking in tongues. Now, I know for some people, this is kind of a, a weird thought, kind of a strange thing. But I want you to understand something. Everything that I'm saying today is absolutely the work of God. And you can't begin to discount certain things because it seems strange to you. As a matter of fact, it was strange enough that there were people there started mocking him, and these guys were drunk. I mean, this is early in the day. What are they drinking for? They're drunk. But an amazing accompaniment, the very first initial sign to those around them that these people were filled with this, this work of God, the, the filling of the Spirit, was they began to speak in tongues, and there were people from all nations that were gathered there because of the feast, and they began to hear these men and women speak in their native language. you imagine that? And what they were saying and what they were hearing was they were proclaiming the mighty works of God. Strange thing happening here. But yet, this is how God chooses to continue to bring one of the ways that he is present and active in our world. Remember uh, John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And he makes a statement about the Spirit. He says, the, the wind blows where it pleases. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes, but yet it is with the workings of the Spirit. And he's talking then about salvation. But yet here we find the Spirit blows in the same way when it comes to the work of God as he becomes resident within us in the infilling, marked by literally hearing the sound of the wind blowing in this place where they were praying. What I want you to do in, in thinking about this, I, I want you to take away any kind of sort of mysticism that you may uh, kind of connect to it when you think about the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the results of it. Again, this is actually a work of God, and, and by the way, it's actually very purposeful. God does not do things just for show. Not necessary. Everything that God does has a specific design to it, including what we find of the infilling of the Holy Spirit as marked in Acts chapter 2 here. But one thing we know about discipleship, part of discipleship is participating within the ongoing works of God in our world. Is that correct? So you think about it this way. God comes in flesh in Jesus, right? God takes on flesh. He comes, he comes and joins the dumpster of humanity to save us, right? I've often wondered why he didn't just stay. 
He's God, he could have. Why, why did he just stay and defy, defy the, the physicalness of his body and continue to live? We, we know that he ascended, and he sends the Holy Spirit who is not physical in the way that you see him, as Jesus was. But yet he is here and he's active and he's present, right? There is a purpose with this that then all of a sudden, as we are called to be people who are to go into the world and now be a light of the world, that one of the activities of the Holy Spirit found in the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to do that in the way that enacts and enables the ongoing work of the kingdom of God. And that's a mouthful. It says a lot. Or you can say it like this, and you've heard this before. All of a sudden, we become the hands and the feet of Jesus. But you don't do that without his empowerment. Is that correct? So, question. Are we supposed to be a light of the world until he returns again? Are we? Yes. Are you supposed to do that on your own? No. For everything that God asks of you, he also then brings an empowerment to do so. And the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the work that enables that in our lives. So I have a slide to throw up. It's got three points on it we're going to talk about. So justice, I think that's you back there. If you throw that slide up, I'd appreciate it. Here's the first thing I want you to understand about Pentecost, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost marks, and it also reaffirms, God's ongoing presence among us. See, in Joel chapter 2, there's a prophecy from the prophet Joel. I'm not going to have you turn there, but it says in essence, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on, how many know this? What flesh? All flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, right? And, and, and it goes on. After these men came out and were speaking in tongues and people recognized their language and they're declaring the mighty works to God, then here comes Peter and he stands up and declares what's going on. In that speech that he gives, he confirms that what is happening right now is the fulfillment of Acts chapter 2, or I'm sorry, Joel chapter 2. That in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. He confirms this. The Pentecost marks one of the ways that the ongoing presence of God is active in our world. What I love about it, because it's the fulfillment of Acts chapter 2, is for men and women. As the prophet Joel says, it is for the young and the old. As we see, because as the word goes forth in the speaking of tongues in the different uh, nations, we're hearing it. It crosses all ethnical and social boundaries. See, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is for all flesh. That's everybody. Men, women, whatever skin color you are, whatever nation you reside in, whatever tongue that you speak as your native language, God pours out his spirit on everybody who would receive in other words, in the entirety of our world, God is still active, and he is still moving, and he is still present. So the Spirit of God can rest on, it can rest in each one of us. 
So if you look at the Old Testament scriptures, yes, the spirit would rest on selected individuals, almost like an anointing. But we move on from this into the fulfillment of this prophecy that's not just selected individuals anymore, but anyone who would believe. Spirit now, through the infilling, is working a very specific work, a very specific time, for a very specific reason, fulfilling a very specific prophecy. And this activity of the Spirit is ongoing until he comes again. Amen. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. The second thing is that Pentecost confirms that the gospel of Jesus is to go into all of the world. Again, that language is spoken by the Spirit through those in the upper room to different nationalities confirms this. It confirms that the family of God is a multi-ethnic people of God and not just the Jews anymore, but consists also of the Gentiles. Again, whoever would believe. Remember the story of the Tower of Babel? When they wanted to build this tower up to the heavens and, and be like God? And how did God deal with this? He confused their languages. And now all of a sudden we have a separation of languages and people and their separation. What the infilling of the Spirit does, it reverses that. Because now through this language of God that unifies us through him, what was separated is now brought back together in a family of God. Again, very worldwide. Where Tower of Babel separated, God brings back together because the gospel is to go into all of the world. But see here then, understand this. The primary purpose of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to go out into the world. Go back to Acts chapter 1. And verse number 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Here's Jesus talking, talking about what's about to happen. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You see that? The primary purpose of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the enablement to take the gospel to the ends of the world. Amen. Now, I understand the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, they do show up in, in church services and things of that nature, but the primary purpose is for outside of these walls, when you're out in your neighborhoods, your workplaces, with your families. See, you can, you can check these out later, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read that chapter. Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the activity, the ongoing activity of gifts of the Spirit, as the ongoing work of the infilling is still happening. That's what we believe. As the Holy Spirit is residing within you, in his choosing, he can work through you in a gift of a spirit, and the purpose of that is a sign of the kingdom of God. So it's kind of like this. Maybe we'll get into this another time, but I'll use this baby bottle. Okay. Now, this is a very imperfect example of this because I'm, I'm outside. But let's, say, let's just say I'm the Holy Spirit, okay? 
and Margot is infilled with the Holy Spirit, right? This is very imperfect because I'm outside of her, but sort of the way it works. So if you read the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, you can see that there is the gift of healing. How many know you can pray for God to touch your physical body? Okay. Let's, let's say you're out and you're in Walmart. I'm just thinking of a place where most people go. Okay, you're in Walmart. And you're pushing your cart down the aisle and you pass somebody. And all of a sudden, you just, you just got gripped in your heart. Ask that person if you can pray for them. That ever happened to you? And the Holy Spirit just kind of taps you on the shoulder. And he, he invades a, a very trivial moment of your life and sort of asks something of you, right? And let's say you stop and obey and you walk over and say, hey, it's, I know this is really weird, sort of random, but can I pray for you? Be amazed what may happen. And let's say they say yes. And you grab hold of them, you start to pray, and all of a sudden something happens. It could be that at that moment, can you catch? Okay, here we go. Don't want to drop the gift of the Spirit, okay? That's going to be good. As if he distributes, you can think basketball, playing basketball, you got a point guard, he distributes the ball. He distributes the gift of healing. And in that moment, he works through you to touch that person. Amen? That's sort of how it works. But the thing is, you don't own it, you don't get to keep it. Give me it back. I knew this was going to be bad. Oh, anyways. So it's not like I own it. I get to go around and throw it out whenever I want. Hey, I'm just going to move in the gift of healing today. The Holy Spirit distributes it as he will, kind of like a point guard on a basketball team. Right? What the infilling does, it opens you up to things like that. But here's kind of the point of it. And it's kind of the point, the last point on the screen here. The point of it is this. Pentecost is a signpost of the coming kingdom of God. That's what it points towards. And everything that happens as a result of it is a signpost of the coming kingdom. So here's the kingdom of God. How many know what the kingdom of God is now? You know that? But how many you understand that the kingdom of God is also not yet? The kingdom is now, but the kingdom is not yet. The kingdom is here, but it's not here in its fullness and its finality. Jesus is going to come back, right? What happens through the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the things that are enabled because of it, they are signposts of a coming kingdom that is in operation now, but is coming in fullness later. That's the point. The point is not in the signs themselves. In other words, we don't seek signs, right? The point is not that I can try to get it all now. Or if it's not happening and fully now, there's something wrong with my faith or, or things like this. But what they are is a signpost of what is to come. So, so we will drive back to our families in Pennsylvania. Driving back at some point on uh, 70, right, you'll see your very first sign for Columbus. And it'll say, I think the very first one's 190 miles, something like that. It says, Columbus, 190 miles. So we drive through Columbus to get back to, to where we live. That is a sign of what is coming, right? Because here's the thing. 
Let's say Margaret prays for that person in Walmart and God touches them. Does something miraculous. God did something. That's wonderful for the moment, but ultimately bigger picture is a sign of what is coming. Because even if that person was healed physically, right, they're going to die. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he still died later. <laughs> right? These things are worthy of faith and worthy of belief and worthy of grabbing onto, but you can get wrapped up in the sign itself and miss the bigger picture of what the sign is actually pointing towards. So when I see that sign for Columbus, we keep driving. Eventually, you'll, you'll get the one that says Columbus 103 miles. I remember there's one that says 103 miles, really random. And you'll get close enough, there'll be one that says Columbus 20 miles. What that does is it points towards something, though I can't fully see it yet, I still believe it's real and it's there and I'm going to get there. That's what the sign does. So all the things we see in the gifts of the Spirit and things that we would consider of works of God, gifts of knowledge, gifts of wisdom, all these different things, these are the kingdom of God enacting itself in such a way that points you towards what is coming in its fullness. Amen. What happens is, in the infilling of the Spirit, when we take the gospel to the world, things may accompany the, the spoken word that point to the person listening or enacting that this is something that only God could do. See that? Only God could do this. And it points into the bigger picture of what God is up to. God is saving our creation. He's saving the work that he did. And, and the signs of the kingdom say, and he's going to finish the work. Stay faithful. So the signs are evidence of the good news that God's kingdom is at work and show that the fullness of the kingdom will come. Again, it's not some sort of mysticism or it's not, it's not something that's really complicated either. But it is a work of God. Amen. Now, here's, here's what I want to end today. I, I kind of broke this in last week a little bit, but I'm going to show it to you in a little bit of a different way. I have a video again I want to show you. And I, so we showed one last week, kind of lead into this today. But Justice, do you have the one that we we're going to show today? And Mike will have some volume on it, okay? You'll catch me. You got this video for me, please? very bottom of the oh here we go that, my name is Slash how fast does that make you it means it, it makes really fast let me, let me see how fast <laughs> okay yeah yeah so okay what, what's the point the point is this you, how many of you here last week, we had a little boy that dressed up and he ran and ran in the glass window. Bam! He thought it was, that was funny too. I'll be honest with you. You may be like me. When somebody hurts himself, my general reaction is to laugh. Anybody like me? Then you find out they're okay. I'm like that. Anyway, so. Let's just say that kid had his flash costume on. Superhero. 
He's been filled with the power of the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? He's all decked out. And mom asks him, how fast are you? And you think, I'm filled with the power of the Spirit. I'm ready to take the gospel to the world. You know, I'm all I'm powered up. And you turn around and bam, life happens. I mean, all I'm talking about. Now, wait a second. I, I thought you were with me. I thought you were, were you filled me. I thought I, I'm full of the power of the Spirit. Why did I fall on my face? Why did I face plant? Make any sense? Well, it makes a lot of sense. Just because you're saved, and then the step beyond that, just because you're infilled with the Holy Spirit, like Acts chapter 2, does not all of a sudden mean life is going to be perfect and easy and have no troubles. By the way, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a separate work from salvation. If you're not infilled with the Spirit, you're saved. Infilled with the Spirit is a step of empowerment to take the gospel, right, to the world. But even though we've been infilled with the Spirit by asking, life still happens. And we still find ourselves face first on the ground, still in our superhero costume. Wondering what in the world's going on. See, salvation, infilling the Holy Spirit, all these different things are showing evidence that God is with you no matter what is happening specifically right now in the circumstances of your life. I think sometimes because, because we, we face plant in life and our knees are bloody and our elbows are scuffed up and we get up and we're just, what in the world? And all of a sudden we feel disqualified when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody and praying for somebody and allowing possibly the Holy Spirit to do something incredible. And we put ourselves on a shelf because life's hard. I, I, got, I got some news for you. I'm calculating. Give me a second. I'm not going to say my age out loud. Okay, so I've been saved for over 30 years. I've been infilled with the Holy Spirit, like Acts chapter 2, for just about that long. I've discovered something. Life still isn't easy. I've been pastoring for almost 29 years. Life's not easy. Just because. Every once in a long while, I find myself face down the pavement in my superhero costume. Wondering what in the world happened. But the biggest thing is that I turn around and still say, but... I'm still saved. The Holy Spirit's still in me. So I just might as well get up and keep going. And in the middle of my circumstance, not to shelve myself because my knees are bloody, but guess what? I still show up on Sunday morning and get my Bible out and say, let's open our Bibles today. So you realize that sometimes I'm up here and my knees are bloody, you just don't know it. You know that? There, there are times when, when I'm out and I feel to pray for somebody or, or share the gospel with somebody, and I'm having a, a really just tough day. It happens. 
But you know what I do? I kind of put my big boy pants on. And know this whole thing is bigger than the fact that I just fell down. So how about I just get up? And know the Holy Spirit's going to empower me. And I'm going to keep going. All the while knowing that eventually I'm going to face plant again. But I'm still show up here. I'm still going to preach. I'm still going to live by the unction and the leading of the Spirit. Because that's what I'm called to do. Amen? So, let's be people who simply are not just saved. That's nice. Good. Good for you. You need to be. But people who are about the business of discipleship and walking out what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom of God that is now and not yet. And part of this issue of, of, of knowing him, then I'll start to learn what the father's business is all about. What happens is then when I get involved in the Involved in the Father's business, that's what then the infilling of the Holy Spirit empowers me to do. Amen. Therefore, I stand. So challenge today. Simple challenge. If you're laying on your face right now, I sympathize with you big time. I do. I don't know what caused this issue in your life. But I'll encourage you to get up. Quit being mad at yourself. Knock all the shame away. Give it over to him. And realize he's going to take you somewhere. Amen? Do you believe that? And when you're being led by the Spirit to do things, listen to him. So the infilling of the Spirit, it's, it's... it's not as if all of a sudden I start to have this surreal experience. I start feeling weirdo things, and the hair stands up, what little hair I got stands up on my neck. Oh, I think the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me. It's not like that. It's in the middle of your everyday normal life that you feel unction to do something. When you feel the unction, do it is to talk to somebody, to pray for somebody, stop and do this, send this person text, give this person a call. You know, it's like a name drops in your mind. Why did that name drop in your mind? I don't know. I'm going to call them, though. Hey, how's it going? I'm so glad you called. It's in those moments that you do that, then you open yourself up for that infilling to do a work through you. That's the gifts of the Spirit. Again, decomplicate this whole thing. It's not hard. But you live by the unction of the Spirit that's in you. Amen? That is how God then in certain ways will begin to use you in the world, out there, when you're just living your everyday life. We don't have to, to go into all the world, i got to quit my job, i got to give up my family, i got to buy a plane ticket to someplace I've never heard, one-way ticket, I'm just going to go do the gospel. You want to go ahead, but that's not what you're called to do, most likely. It's to live for Jesus in your, in your workplace and walking out in town when you're taking your walk at night in the neighborhood or, or going on your grocery shopping or whatever it is you do. That's what that's called to go take the gospel to the world. You'll be amazed that the opportunities are right in front of you. Just open your eyes and listen to the Spirit. Amen?
So here's how I'm going to close. Everybody, please stand up. Mayor, if you want to jump up on the keys for me real quick, please. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you. But while I'm praying, a couple things. A, I want you, whatever situation you're in, if you find yourself face on the floor right now, once again, give it to him. Secondly, if your face isn't on the floor because you <laughs> circumstances, I want you to pray, God, use me in a greater way. That's a dangerous prayer because we'll start to answer that. Lord, use me. And lastly, if you're saying, well, I'm saved, but I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. What in the world? Okay, just ask. All you do is ask. Lord, fill me with your spirit as evidence in Acts chapter 2. Just ask. Don't complicate it. Other signs that accompany, they'll come. We'll try to make anything happen today. Amen? You may, you may find yourself worshiping one day, all of a sudden break out in a tongue. Let it come. You may find yourself out, you pray for somebody, and all of a sudden a word of knowledge, you say, hey, you know what, somebody's dropped my mind. You, you, you say what's in your mind, you go, how did you know that? That's, that's a word of knowledge. You go, wow. You just show up, right? But just ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me today. And I believe that he's going to respond. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are ever-present in our world. You're still active. You haven't left us. You haven't forsaken us, but you sent your spirit to be with us. Lord, help us today. I pray for those that find themselves in a struggling situation right now. I pray that you empower them. I pray you encourage their hearts. I pray that you give them wisdom about the things they are supposed to do to help remedy the situation. I pray that you give them strength. I pray that you're with them through the process in a way that they know you're there. I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that we as a church are hands and feet of Jesus whenever we leave this place. No matter what we're doing, no matter what we're about, that we are glorifying you and in somehow, some way, taking gospel to the world. I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for those today that want to be infilled with your spirit and they haven't been. I pray that they're asking right now and you're responding and you're filling them with your spirit according to your word. I thank you for that. So hear us this morning. Respond to us. We worship you and we praise you today. Your name high above, high above. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, a couple things. If you have prayer needs today, we'd love to pray for you. Come on down if there's more than I can handle or Margaret can handle. We'll have some other people help us out. Or if you have questions about today's message, the infilling of the Spirit, come on down. I'd love to talk to you about it, okay? Other than that, Wednesday night, we're back in the book of Proverbs. Next week, we'll continue on this series. Have a blessed week. We'll see you this week again.